podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hello, Aston Villa fans, and welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. Before I go any further, can everybody hear me? Just want to make sure that. Obviously, if you're listening back to this podcast, or if you're listening back to this in the audio version, no need to answer. I'll have gotten my answer already. But the uh, reason I ask about that is I've just done some jiggery poker. I'm expecting a Rolls Royce of a microphone to come in through the door tomorrow. And I was going to wait on to do this. Um, I'm, I'm expecting a sure SB7 to come in tomorrow, or SB8, uh, was it SB8 to come in the door tomorrow? And I'm really looking forward to using it to see if I could change this West Limerick accent that I have here and make it sound somewhere decent. But that's not why we're here tonight to talk about, uh, that's not what we're here to talk about, should I say. But um, I want to come, and last week, Last week, week before last, I wanted to come on and talk about Granduzzi, but that was the day that everything, uh, it transpired, everything, all my equipment had uh, come a cropper and blown up, essentially, for want of a better word. Um, and I couldn't do it. And I forgot to do it in the interim. So I wanted to, to, to come on, and I just wanted to come on in light of the fact that, in light of the fact, or in, in response to the fact that it's been reported this evening by Lekeep. Let me get my... Um, it's been reported by Lekeep that uh, Matteo Ganduzzi is still courted by Aston Villa and he knows that he may be playing his last matches with Olympic Marseille this January. Aston Villa have made him a, in quotes, wonderful offer. Now, a couple of people have asked their Lekeep, uh, reliable... I suppose they're as reliable as anything else that you'd have out there. They're a, they're a historic newspaper. They're a newspaper that's famous for sport. They're a newspaper for that's famous for... Um, rumor has it they're famous for the Tour de France, uh, being uh, the yellow jerseys within the Tour de France, should I say. Um, but I'm open to... Uh, because it used to be printed on yellow paper. Um, so it's a historic newspaper. It's a newspaper that was always revolved around, around uh, sport. But you guys didn't come here for a history lesson like that with regards to publications within the Gallic nation of um, of France. Uh, but I do want to talk about Granduzzi, and I just wanted to kind of come on and, and give my my proper thoughts on him. Um, even up until last night, I wasn't really sure if this one would was still a gore, and I'm still not sure that he comes in through the door. It's not that it not I'm not sure that we don't want him. I think it's very obvious that we do it. Um, the, the the reason that I'm a bit kind of skeptical is it, it it's just I think it's going to be a difficult one to get done. Now since we since I did put out this tweet, we've just seen that Morgan Sanson has departed the fray and has gone to meet, gone with his uh, with his French counterpart in in Freddie Gilbert and joined Strasbourg. I didn't see Strasbourg being the, being the suitors, but he's gone with a loan option with or sorry a loan with no buy option. Um, and that in itself, I've got, I've got, uh, 
I've got thoughts on that myself. I do think that there will be a midfielder coming, but I, I'm just not sure it's going to be Guendouzi. But if it is, I'd be absolutely delighted because I see some really nice things in his profile and since he's moved to France that will uh, that I think exci- are exciting and fitting 100% into Unai Emery's uh, plans themselves. Uh, yes, I'm seeing as well Marseille bought a new midfielder. They did. They bought Ivan Illich from, from uh, Hellas Verona today, but they've loaned him back for the rest of the season. So he's a next year project for them and um, it seems that that's what's going to happen and um, i've only seen it being reported by one by one outlet um but it seems that that's what's going to happen that he's going to be uh loaned back but they did have a pretty hefty outlay if i'm not mistaken it was like 14 million a moment correction on that one but it's a it's it's an interesting one uh for sure that we we need to keep keep an eye on a couple of people there asking um has morgan sanson gone out and loaned and uh, once again le keep have uh, have mentioned that Morgan Sanson has signed on loan until the end of the season, no option to buy. Um, so once again, they seem to be breaking all the news tonight. So um, where to start, I suppose, with Matteo Ganduzzi? Uh I think, first of all, a lot of people misunderstand, not misunderstand because you can just go on Wiki and you, Wikipedia or wherever and you can see what age he is, but you ever get one of these players that just feels like they're way older than they actually are? And you know, I, I think when you talk about McGuinduzzi, you expect him to be an awful lot older than he actually is. And he's still in his formative years. Or well, he's just past his formative years. And I think a lot of people confuse that with... I think Moussa Dembele is somebody as well that people ex- just expect him to be 30 years of age. Moussa Dembele. Obviously, he's only turning 27. Someone else may be linked to it as well. But it's because they shot onto the scene at, at such a young age. Gunduzi making his, uh, his uh, first appearance at 18 years of age for Lorient. And... Uh, and uh, and I think that colours a lot of people's views. He played a lot of games for for Lyon. We'll see that in a moment. Uh, his his split of games when I bring up my stat sheets, and and then he moved to Arsenal. He got these big move to Arsenal with Unai Emery. And and you know one of the things I think Unai Emery was was infatuated with him at a young age. You know he there's even a quote out there saying that he's an extremely talented young player. A lot of clubs. Were, this is when he signed for Arsenal. He said that. Gunduzi is, is an extremely talented young player. A lot of clubs were interested in him. He has big potential in getting good first-team experience last season with Lorient. He wants to learn and improve and will be an important part of our first-team squad. Emery wanted to fire him into the, into the limelight at 18 years of age. That's pretty... That, that shows um, that he was able to see what this guy could do. As that year transpired, we all know that he, he had to push him back further into a more defensive, defensive role than... Guendouzi has played subsequently since leaving Arsenal, and we'll get onto that in a moment as well. And we'll see that in his current numbers, his current statistics definitely show, um, definitely show that too. Uh, that he's he's turned himself into that quintessential box to box midfielder that has more of a punch on for a pass and and a crack at goal than he does for st- sticking his foot into the back of somebody's uh, somebody's calf like Elianusi did to um, to uh, Jacob Ramsey yesterday. So. Why I'm mentioning, uh, I suppose, the two differences be- between that is between those two are that, like, I haven't really, and, and I, I would say, like, a lot of people wouldn't really have paid too much attention to his time at Marseille since he left Arsenal because what we saw him do at Arsenal, he was a square peg in a round hole to fit that, that, that kind of that position, that more because he's a, he's a, he's a dynamo and he's got everlasting energy out there and you know you just see it that that hair flops around everywhere and he's he's somebody you can pick up easily and he's he's tenacious he is aggressive he's an aggressive type of player but he's he's um 
when he was put back there, it was really because of his youthful exuberance and his energy uh, to get around there, to cover ground, to try and get in tackles, to get pressures in um, and so on. But his real game has, has kind of blossomed since he's moved to Marseille and he's moved forward. Now, we know about his time at Arsenal ending under, under Arteta. There was a lot of stuff in the newspapers about him being a bad teammate and, and, and this, that and the other young player at, at, at the time he was uh, he was 19 I think it was uh, when when Arteta joined the club um, but then the straw that broke the camel's back was Arteta was obviously trying to weed out the likes of Ozil the likes of Aubameyang um, apparent they were apparent uh, anchors around the around the legs of the club you know from a wages point of view and also probably from an effort point of view for Arsenal at that, that period of time um, you know there was there was protracted contract contract uh, negotiations seasons previous for both of those players, and then all of a sudden, um, the effort and the attitude in the field may not have have uh, have have matched those contract negotiations. And then Gunduzi kind of gets involved in a pretty silly kind of spat with Neil Mope on the field, grabs him by the throat, tells him a couple of home truths, but like we'd all like to do with Neil Mope, um. And says something stupid like a, like a, a teenager would say to somebody. Started mentioning stuff about you know you've come up from just come up from the league below. My pay packet is probably bigger than yours, etc., etc., etc. I'm only nineteen. Whatever it was said, something along those lines. Arteta didn't take kindly to it, and I think when he was taking a very broad brush to the to the dressing room, he decided, listen, if it's just going to be if it's not going to just be the older guys that are going, younger guys are going to go too, and. That's what happened. And and, and Guendouzi was loaned out to Berlin. I'm not going to say that Guendouzi, like I would imagine that there was a falling out between the two people at that stage. And he got his move to Marseille. Since his move to Marseille, he's become a father. He's become a French international. I've mentioned that a couple of times. Um, at a young age, I would imagine, I didn't have kids young, but as at a young age, I would imagine when you have children, a life perspective and... Uh, you would, I would have hoped I would have been the same that a kind of a calming influence will, will, will come over you because you're you're not just looking after you and your yourself you're looking after a, a family, and that's that seems to be what's happened at, at Marseille. He's not one of these people who's who's seen as a bad teammate. There, you see the you see I, I've seen stuff in the in in the Sun and the English side that oh he might be a bad teammate, and then you go why, and then you look into the article and it's like there's nothing of the sort in there written about it as to why he would be a bad teammate. That's something that, that that I saw written after he was linked with Aston Villa. And I was kind of going, this is just lazy. But then again, you know, uh, as I say, paper never refused ink. Um, another story about him and something that has come up quite a lot when, when people are trying to stand up for him and to say he is a good teammate is, and I mentioned this with Finton, Finton Football, Finton O'Reilly, who I'm actually going to pop in um, his article into the chat here. Oh, you guys, you guys are getting a, getting a treat tonight. This is Finton's article on fo- football analysis. Have a look at it as well, because there's some really good stuff in here. But myself and Finton were talking about this. Um, I it, I didn't go back and clarify what game it was, but the fans attacked Dimitri Payet, not the Marseille fans, uh, the opposing fans attacked Dimitri Payet when he was in the corner of the, uh, he was taking a corner, they threw bottles at him. I think he threw a bottle back at them and the, all hell broke loose. Guendouzi jumped in for pay there and uh, ended up actually having getting grabbed by the neck so much by the other fans that he had marks, strangulation marks on his neck. But he jumped in for, for a fellow teammate. Now, 
I know the I know the it's it's a different situation, but all things point to the fact that he's becoming a bit of, he he's started to become a role model, started to become one of the leaders in the dressing room for Marseille. And uh you know, younger players, Marseille has got a lot of younger players coming up through the ranks there as well, and that they can see Guendouzi, albeit a 23-year-old, 22, 23-year-old uh, at the moment. He's broke into the France team. You know, he could be a template. He wasn't getting into getting into the French team when he was in when he was at Arsenal. He's moved to France. He's rebuilt his career in France. He's playing a completely different position and he goes to a World Cup and arguably should have been starting in that, that uh, Adrian Rabiot position. But he wasn't. And that's a story for another day, I would imagine, because Rabiot went on and had a pretty decent World Cup. So fair play to Deschamps for that. So we come to Sunday, the 22nd of January, and he's linked with Aston Villa again. And 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 that's that. the reason I wanted to get to it was because all those little bits and pieces that we hear and all those little bits and pieces that people remember, and me included, this isn't just, this isn't me saying, uh, saying anybody's wrong or anything like that. Because when we were first linked with Guendouzi, I'll be honest with you, I didn't, didn't pay an awful lot of attention to him in France. And I immediately jumped to the, you see, a bad egg conclusion. But the more I've read into it, the more people I've talked to, the more that I've seen, the more um, articles I've, written, I've read about him. I don't, that that doesn't seem to be the case at all. And then also you look at it and you go, we don't need another number six. And then you look at those articles and you look at all the statistics. You, I've looked at footage of him playing and I go, well, he's not number six. So, so it's absolutely fine. So well, now we can see the method behind behind this this link. And and that's what I wanted to come on and talk about first. And I'm, I'm 13 minutes talking about it there. And, and I wanted to kind of get it all out in one little, one little blurb first because I've touched on it a couple of times and you guys have asked about it in podcasts before. And I wanted to get my thought process from A to Z out there with regards to why I think that this is a, this is a good move before we look at um, some of the, the, the slides that I'm going to bring up in a moment. And before we do look at some of those slides, let me take a little uh, look at some of your comments because, whoa, there's a ton of you guys on here. Thank you so much for, for jumping on. If you haven't been here before, give us a thumbs up. It'd be very good. If you could consider clicking on the subscribe button, we're nearly at 5K. We're about 240 subscriptions away from 5K. I don't know what's going to happen at 5K. I, probably nothing. Probably just it turns to 50000, but seems like a nice round number anyway. Um, but if you could, uh, if you are not a subscriber already, just clicking that costs you nothing, you know, and makes put a smile on my, puts a smile on my face. Um, but let's have a little look at, at some of your comments well there's a lot of comments saying that yes you can hear me <laughs> that's probably where all the comments from um yes so ian says i think he would primarily primarily be brought in as an eight which means to me that, that the one under most threat here as a starter is Luis. i like the fact that he's versatile so can fill in other areas as and when needed stand by ian. i might have somebody that might be under pressure a small bit more than uh douglas louise in this instance david tomeski says intro music was just right tonight that has been the biggest trial and error over the last two and a half years of doing this podcast is getting the sound levels of the intro music. I am not a sound genius. I don't know what I'm doing it. I'm, I, I don't know what I'm doing with that stuff. Um, and it's really just trial and error. So thanks for bearing with me with regards to that. And you were book on booking at a doctor's appointment. I actually listened back to yesterday's podcast I, um, just to see if the sound levels were right. I could barely hear myself talking on that podcast as well. The sound was really low. I had to correct the audio somehow and put it out again. So if anybody's wondering why the, uh, why the audio version of the podcast went out twice, that's why um, for some reason the audio was drastically low um, on it yesterday. So I do apologize for that. Um, where else are we? 
So Renewed RS says, who do we drop for Guendouzi? Does he play a wide left centre midfield in our 4-4-2? I pictured him more as a Douglas Luiz type, well-rounded player, but see people call him a 10. On the way. My my thoughts on that are beyond the way as well. Jimmy Danger says, did you see that Miles Garrett was in the away end for... Yes, I did. He's He's better half is... Uh, the head nutritionist, I think, or the head is, is something to do with sports science department in with Aston Villa as well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, he's a converted villain. And I'll tell you, be honest with you, he tried to put on a disguise. He tried to put his hood up so no one would recognize him. You can't not recognize Miles Garrett once you've seen him once. He's the freakiest size of a man you will ever see in your life. An absolute, like, just, it's like he was created in a lab. So if anybody hasn't seen those pictures of Miles Garrett, Cleveland Browns defensive end and one of the best defensive ends in, in uh, NFL, then uh, take a look at it because he's a scary size of a man. Anyway, back to back to matters at hand. Uh, just going to script down or, or scroll down here, should I say. Um, talk, uh, people asking there about uh, how much would he cost? I don't know. There's talks about like somewhere. I've seen anywhere between 13 and 50 million so i've no idea what the money is going to be like i'd imagine like we saw that danny ings was bought for what 30 million but it actually turned out it was 18 with a ton of add-ons so or i think it was 20 with a ton of add-ons so when we actually sold him we only lost 8 million it was like an 8 million 8 million pounds for a, a year and a half loan fee i think someone someone had it as so um I, i'm not i'm not sure i'm not sure as well um ba -ba -ba -ba. Uh, do we? Oh, I think we might have some Marseille fans in here as well. Do we? Uh, oh no, we don't. They were talking. The guys were talking about uh, Sanson. Yes. So Sanson, as I say, looks like he is gone out on loan. Um, at the moment, just in case anybody missed that. Anyway, okay. So I'm going to run on. I'm going to jump jump in here. And uh, by the way, as well, I meant to mention this. One of the only reasons I decided to put this podcast on is because <clears throat> anybody here in the UK, any of uh, anybody who is here. Love Island is back on TV, and I don't got time to be watching Love Island, so that's why I'm I'm here tonight with all of you beautiful people, all 327 of you that are now watching the podcast. Thank you so much. Anyway, Gwen Doozy, let's take a little look at him. I'm praying to God that the slides are in the right order here. Uh, but um, yeah, so Matteo Gwen Doozy, keep are, are linking him with us at the moment. Let's take a little look at some of his statistics, and this is how. I have put him up here, and I don't have Bubakar Kamara in here because we're not dropping him for Bubakar Kamara. In fact, if anything, he's coming in because of Bubakar Kamara because they had a burgeoning relationship. They had a beautiful partnership, um, not the partnership that people would think is in the two of them playing right alongside each other in, in the center of that midfield, but they did play in the center in the midfield positions, if that makes sense, for um, for uh, for Marseille. If any of you saw that that cool little TikTok there, um, when I think it was, it must have been before the end of last season, Dina was meeting up with some of the French guys for um, the, for, it must have been an international window, and uh, Boubacar Camara had it was announced that he was signing for Aston Villa, and Dina, Camara and Gunduzi got out of the same car together, and Dina was getting out of a car behind them, and he said, hey, Matteo, stop talking to our, to our player. He's our player now. You're not allowed to talk to him. And it could be interesting that the three of those could all be on the same team together. I just thought that that was quite, uh, quite cool. Um, it was just a nice little moment. If anybody hasn't seen it, it's floating around there on Twitter. But uh, as I mentioned, Guendouzi is six foot and one half of an inch. He's right footed and his date of birth is the 14th of the 4th, 1999. I have him here as a central midfielder slash wide midfielder. And why have I him down as, as that? And the reason you'll see below is look at his heat map. Very right side dominant. 
Very right side, damn it. No, sorry, this is he, his heat map for 2021-2022. Uh, the, the season just gone. Um, when uh, he did play with Bubakar Kamara. And the reason I wanted to take that is because he's had a couple, he's had an, an injury this season that kept him out for a short period of time. Nothing massive or anything to worry about or whatever. Also, the World Cup has kind of kept him out of, out of action too. So it was a small sample set to look at how he's played this season. Also, last season, as I say, was one of his best seasons on record. So I wanted to take that and see what it looked like for from the point of view of how we fit into this Aston Villa team. And just look at that, uh, like, look at that um, heat map. That's how I think he's going to fit into this Aston Villa team. A wide midfielder. A John McGinn. Not going to say John McGinn replacement. Because, yes, John McGinn has played out there. And Leon Bailey has played out there at times if another striker comes in. But I think that we'll we'll see rotation within that midfield. And not just rotation about player in, player out. But I think we'll see fluidity in that midfield. I've no, I've no, no reason to believe that John McGinn couldn't switch over to the left-hand side if we wanted to play uh, four centre midfielders across the middle. As opposed to Buendia playing over there or Jacob Ramsey playing over there options are what we're going to need in this midfield we all lamented the midfield that we had out against uh, the midfield we had on the bench should I say or the, the, the substitutes we had on the bench against Southampton yesterday and uh, you know you bring back a John McGinn into that into that fold maybe you, you, you have a Buendia in there maybe Coutinho makes his way back to Brazil even at that, that, at that stage even if we keep him you know, we have options on the bench and, and things are looking a small a bit more experienced and a small a bit more sturdy. So from my point of view, I think that, that this uh, Guendouzi would be somebody who might come in to, to, to play that right-hand side of, of midfield. So I don't think he's a Luis replacement. I think he's more of a John McGinn replacement. And when I say replacement, I mean a John McGinn competitor because I don't think we're going to see John McGinn go anywhere, obviously, in this transfer window. And I think that John McGinn has shown some good strides over the course of the time you and Emery has been in here, um, that he could very, very easily stick out, stick around for next season. You know, he's he, he's captain when he comes back, I would imagine, um, even though Amy Martinez is held onto the armband. Now, would I make that change to make him captain again? No, but I think it's I think the reason that, 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 that I'm coming down on that, that line is because he's... We, because of the big song and dance at the start of this year about not having Mings as captain. You know, if we were to change captain and take it away from him again, I just think it's a song and dance situation again. And uh, look, we'll see. It's, it's it's irrelevant. A lot of it is irrelevant, actually. I don't even know why I brought it up. Um, so Guendouzi is that guy who will come in there. What <clears throat> so let's take a little look at his statistics. These are his statistics over the last 365 days. So the, the defensive midfielder, the wall in the middle of the defenders, in the front of the defenders, the people, and me included, might have associated Matteo Guendouzi as when he was with um, when he was with uh, Arsenal. It's mythical. It's not a thing. He played in that position. He wasn't a defensive midfielder. He was more of a, a, a gets-around-the-field guy. Or sorry, he's he's come on to be a bit uh, gets around the field guy. He's he's his heat map shows it since he's moved to since he's moved to Marseille. And this is remember guys, this is the heat map that he played when he played beside Bubakar Kamara as well. So um he's not usurping Bubakar Kamara because hell, he's like, why would you take the best thing that, since sliced bread out of our midfield? Um, but this makes a lot of sense. I'm actually going to just completely go past the defensive stats because they're just there as, as a 
as a way to show, <coughs> excuse me, to a, a way to show that he isn't that uh, defensive midfielder that uh, that I would have thought he was up until maybe up until maybe about four weeks ago when when stuff like this started to rumble about. Uh, passing statistics is somewhere that I think is really really interesting. So he attempts fifty six point seven four passes, puts him up in the top uh, third of, of of midfielders in the whole of uh, Europe. Uh, pass completion is quite high, eighty five point nine percent. The only person who had a pass completion. Um, uh, who had a pass completion like that last season or sorry the only two players that had it were Douglas Louise and Jacob Ramsey you know so he's a better pass completion rate than those two guys um, at, at this moment or he had that last year um, so that's pro- that's progressive for me as well progressive passes once more makes more of those than anybody in our team and I was actually whenever I look at this graph it always blinds me as well because John McGinn would not have been the guy I would have had down to have the most progressive passes within our midfield uh, within that midfield three and then you see Guendouzi is in there and he even blows that out of the water again. A full, um, almost a full one. Uh, and I know that doesn't seem an awful lot, but that one progressive pass could be a key pass that leads to a goal. And he has one more of those per 90 minutes uh, or, um, than any of, our, any of our players. And what blows my mind as well is how low Jacob Ramsey is, his progressive passes. You know, so he's more of a ball carrier. Remember that, Jesse? Jacob Ramsey is a ball carrier, so like for like player, we don't really have that in midfield, as you can, as you guys have heard me say before. So when Green Doozy comes in, comes into that right hand side, um, and and uh, he's more of a ball progressor, albeit that he can carry the ball as well, um. Shot creating actions, goal creating actions are up there as well in the top 30%. You know, so he's showing his playmaking abilities there from that wide midfield position. And uh, and and as I said, his progressive passes uh, are, are the one that really jumps off the page there for me. Possession stats, we're actually going to look at pa- passing stats and we're going to look at his, his shooting stats in particular in a moment. But his possession stats, thir- 64.48 touches uh, per game, which is uh, quite a decent amount of touches. Puts him up there once again in the top third of, of midfielders in Europe. Um, dribbles, dribbles completed. You know, he, he, he completes 46% of, of all dribbles taken. Yeah, which gives him a seventy, uh, a 47.8% success rate. You know, so he does attempt dribbles. Um, he may not be the most successful dribbler, and that's why I wanted to bring your attention to progressive passes and his progressive passing distance along with his pass completion rate. So um, he can carry the ball out of trouble, but he tends to pass that ball out of trouble more often than not. Um, from a ball recovery point of view, he recovers at five point uh, 5.7. I think that I have forgotten to do the, the to update the the slider. There for the um for the ball recoveries. Let me just check that if you guys don't mind. So uh these things happen on live podcasts. Um let me just check. So ball recoveries, ball recoveries, ball recoveries. No, I did. It's correct. 27%. So once again, it goes to the point that I mentioned that he's not this tenacious um, tackler in the middle of midfield. He much prefers to get that ball forward. and He's much more of a passer of the ball. And his aerial aerial uh, percentage there, winning the ball in the air, 36.5%. Obviously, he's played a lot out in the wing as that wide midfielder. So you would expect him to get less opportunities to head the ball when you're out there. And plus, I wouldn't go heading the ball with a lovely, lovely set of ringlets like that either. So, um, you know, Man's got to do what a man's got to do to protect his beautiful hair. So um, that's basically a very, very much an overview showing where he comes in with regards to to the to the players that we have. Obviously, I've mentioned before on the defensive side of things, he's much further down the pecking order. He's the lowest amount of tackles amongst the four players you can see there. <coughs> Excuse me. Interceptions wise, he comes in uh, in around the same as uh, as the guys that are there. Same as recoveries. So. 
he's, we're not losing an awful lot from the interceptions and recoveries, even though he is only in the bottom quartile of those within uh, midfielders in Europe. Successful dribbles. Once again, I've mentioned that Jacob Ramsey likes to be a ball progressor and a ball carrier, and he does, but it doesn't mean he's always successful with it. Gwen Doozy comes in at the same, and, and a, a stat that always blows my mind there is the is the John McGinn um, dribble success rate, which is, is, is quite impressive. Um, Shot-creating actions, progressive passes, pass percentage, and pass attempts are all big, big numbers there. They're all far outweighing the players that we have, and that's exactly where I want you guys to shift your mindset with regards to Gwen, with regards to Gwen Doozy, as to what he's brought to Marseille and why I think Gunnar Emery wants him to come into Aston Villa to replicate that down at B6. So I've got another slide here as well that I want to show you guys, and it is just some more passing statistics as well, just so that we can see. Oh, look at that. A guy has forgot, forgotten to do um, the, the percentages there. So bear with me, guys. If you're watching this, uh, bear with me and I'll bring up those percentages because it does look like I've forgotten to fill in the pass percentages and the key passes and all that jazz that's there. Um, so looking at his career statistics first, his appearances are 216 appearances in total, 172 starts and 15,860 minutes and he's only 23 years of age. That's a lot of minutes. That is a lot of minutes. He scored 12 goals, 21 assists. And there's the breakdown of the clubs that he was at, what age he was at those clubs. So Lorient, 17, he was 17, um, 18. Uh, that, that was the age he was. He had 29 appearances and one assist. Arsenal, he was 19 and 20. There were, that was the age he was. 82 appearances, one goal, four assists. Hurt to Berlin. 21 um, was what age he was, 24 appearances, two goals, one assist. And then at Marseille, we can see he's at 82 appearances, nine goals and 15 assists in all competitions. So fair play to him on that. That's been really impressive. Looking at his pass completion, or his pass, uh, his um, passing, passing numbers. Actually, do you know what? I'm not even going to look at that because all those numbers are fucking wrong. Excuse me, guys. That's what I get for, for bringing up the wrongs that they are the wrong um sheet here in front of me so forget you saw that and i don't care um but what let me tell you guys is that uh he's passing and his shooting statistics are really good and you can look him up on fb ref because that's where i was taking the numbers from um and with that in mind i am just going to share up fb ref uh because it'll make it an awful lot easier sometimes you gotta you gotta work with gotta work with what you have and when you make a mistake you gotta admit it and that's fine that's cool with me um so let me just bring up these numbers that I wanted to show you guys on FB Ref. Um, I think you guys can see that. Can you see it well enough? Uh, 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 uh. So what I wanted to look at here was guys these passing statistics. So pa look at all that lovely, lovely green stuff, guys. That's what I'm getting at here with regards to Gwen Doozy. Passes completed, 48.75. He puts him in 70, the, the 72nd percentile. Pass completion rate, 75th percentile there. But what I wanted to show you here is the three different areas. Passes, his pass percentage in the short range is 91.7%. Pass completion in the medium range is 88.9%. His pass completion in the long range is 78.6% all pretty decent numbers and when we're looking at him as as a, a essentially a playmaker wide out there i think that that's something to bear in mind as well his shooting statistics were the other one other one i wanted to look at here um 
His goals for a midfielder, um, 0.14, doesn't look like a big number, but that's goals per 90 minutes. Uh, puts him up in the top quartile of, of uh, midfielders there. Total shots, shots on target, all this beautiful stuff here we can see as well are all decent numbers. Average shot distance at 19 yards, which means that when he does shoot, it's usually from outside the box. Um, so he's not a ghost into the back post. We mentioned about uh, Weston McKinney previously, that Weston McKinney likes to get on the end of stuff. He likes to get ghost into the back post and, and, and do almost like his Trezeguet tribute act um, at times, albeit that it's it's uh, more measured over there in um, in, uh, in in Italy. But this guy, Guendouzi, likes to shoot from outside the box. And you can see that by his average shot distance here as well. Um, so there are a lot of in interesting things with regards to Guendouzi. I do apologize for not having these in a slide. Um, big error on my on my behalf. Um, so I do apologize for that. Um, and it won't happen again. Okay, it won't happen again. I blame Love Island for this because that's why this is rushed. Um, so uh, let me look at some of your uh, some more of your comments there, and we will see if we can get. Sarko says. Uh, our squad is becoming more and more Treadbare, and unless McGinn returning effectively kills any chances Sanson playing, and Emery w would rather divert the funds to a striker. Well, Sanson now is, is is gone. You may you may have heard me mention earlier. Looks like he's gone to to uh, Strasbourg, um. So that's one less player I think that that's in there, and that's what makes me think that. That's what's made me maybe look at clearing my calendar for the week because I think we might be busy. I think there's a there's always a possibility we could be busy considering that we didn't exactly have the most expansive squad as it was, and now we've lost Danny Ings, Morgan Sanson, and um, you know we're going. I thought we would have brought in one maybe two players anyway with those two guys in the squad. So I would imagine we will definitely bring in one maybe two one or two players this week um, to let them bed in then over the course of the next week as well. So going to be interesting and see what what Aston Villa could do. Uh, Mark Davis says a solid sighting that I bet Camaro will love height, speed, strength, and more of a threat than people will realize. I don't care what it costs. To be honest, he's of that age, and we'll do and we'll do well long term. Yeah, I, that's that's kind of where I come down as well. He's a nice age. He's a nice age to be spending thirty million or forty million on somebody. Um, albeit there's always a risk with that amount of money. He's a nice age to be spending that money on because you know the, the if he has one or two good seasons and he moves on again which the propensity of, of players, if we don't get into Europe, will always be there to do that. Well, then you have your, you know, you recoup the money that you have, plus amortization means that you have a massive uh, plus point on your on your balance sheet then afterwards. So so it could be something there. Um, uh, Josh Norris, good to see you, Josh. Josh, I thought you'd be stuck into the Cincinnati Bengals and the Bills tonight. I thought you'd be uh, too busy watching that. Thanks for, for watching this instead. Um, uh, not just his personality. He might be misunderstood, but I think his possible role here too. I think most view him as an out, out midfielder, but lined up in the right midfield spot here seems ideal. Absolutely. I agree with that as well. Um, ba -ba -ba -bum. Do, do, do. Where else are we going there? Uh, oh, oh, oh. Mark Davis made a good point here, I suppose, with the squad in, in general, that Martinez behind, say, Carlos and Mings with Luis Camara and Ganduzi would be such a solid defensive spine. I, I think what it would also be is it would be an energetic midfield. Like, I know we talk about Jacob Ramsey I know we talk, and, and John McGinn, but could you imagine John McGinn in there with those, two, with those three other guys that you've mentioned? You're not going to get overrun, like outrun, should I say, in midfield. Certainly not going to get out outrun with those guys. Yeah, you might get out past it. You might get passed through and, you know, we could have bad days or whatever like that. But there's legs. There's 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 meters to be ran in those four guys. And, and you know, hard work sometimes gets you over the line. Um, 
uh, in, in games. So so the the rotation of midfielders we have there could be horses for courses situation, you know, should we really need it. Um, and Richie Ryan says Guendouzi's passing range is savage and, and he's tough in the tackle. He's he can tackle. I think I, I want to get that that across across to, to, to everybody. We've seen him tackle for in an Arsenal shirt. Um, it's just he hasn't tasked with doing it as much with uh, with, with with Marseille. Um, if the game is getting a bit out of hand, you know, if the game is beginning to turn and some teams are trying to rough you up, yeah, this guy's going to fight for you. But he's one of those guys that you want him fighting for you as opposed to fighting against you. Because we saw when he came on for Arsenal against Aston Villa and completely turned that game before he left. You know, he can he can be a catalyst with his rambunctious behavior on the field if you want to if you want to call it that word and and you'd much prefer to have those players for you than have them against you and remember guys as i said we need to become a team that stands out from the rest and it ha- if, it, if it ends up being one of those teams that doesn't care what anybody else thinks about them and continues to get results then i'm okay with that i'm okay with that as well um where else are we uh, 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 uh. <laughs> John Steele says Philip Park is low violent. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I bet you many, many of the persons found their match in uh, in Villa Park and ended up ended up finding the one for them within those forty two thousand plus seats uh, in Villa Park. Uh, so it's uh, it, it's definitely um, it's definitely one I think that I couldn't disprove. Um, somebody's mentioning about Anthony Anthony Gordon here. Interesting one. Um, Anthony Gordon is one of the worst passers of a ball in the whole of Europe, statistically. And that for that reason, I cannot see why. Um, watch, bear with me. Bear with me. Bear with me. I'm not just saying that to be hyperbolic. Um, I did say hyperbolic. I know a lot of you thinking other things. Uh, 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 let me just bring this up. Um, bu- 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 boom. Versus midfielders. Okay, so Anthony Gordon versus midfielders in Europe. Want to see his passing statistics? Just in case people don't believe me. There's his passing statistics against midfielders in Europe. A lot of single numbers there, guys. A lot of single numbers. So I'd have concerns about Anthony Gordon. I'd have concerns just from that point of view of fitting into our team. Now, obviously, look, he has played out in the wing a small bit. Oh, sorry, that was against... uh, Sorry, it's even worse. That was that was there were his numbers as an attacking midfielder or a winger. That was his numbers as an attacking midfielder or a winger. Watch his numbers as a midfielder. Ha! It's like my school report card. <laughs> One's all over the place there. Like, look, I don't I just don't think he's what uh, like if there is any bit of statistical scouting or anything going on at Villa Park, I think they're looking at that and they're going, I don't know, and I'm certainly not paying 50, 60 million for that. That let Chelsea do that. And he might turn out to be fantastic. This is me not denigrating him in any way, shape, or form. But for me, I think a passer, we need a passer of the ball. We need a passer in there in, in the team. And uh, look at that, 66.45 um, uh, yards of passing, pa- progressive passing distance, as opposed to over 200 for Guendouzi. You know, we need players who can progress that ball forward. And, and, and this, Anthony Gordon over the last year just hasn't been it. Now, may go on to be a fantastic player. I just don't think he fits what Aston Villa want to do. But a great question, um, Captain K. Love it. Um, Matthew, thanks so much. Points for recovering podcasters. Or maybe no point today. Thanks so much, Matthew. I really appreciate that. 
Um, there's, there's, Keith is mentioning here about Guendouzi and and Anuai um, would be class. I just can't see that the Moroccan guy coming in. I don't know. I, just because I just don't know. I haven't seen enough of him being linked. And I think that he's been linked to the likes of Leeds, likes of Napoli, the likes of Paris Saint-Germain. Not that we couldn't gazump all those teams and sign him. I, I, I just, I've seen us linked with him once. Let's see what, what happens when he comes in. And Finton, if you guys haven't seen the podcast we did on Moussa Dembele, Finton O'Reilly, uh, and should we sign Guendouzi, I will get Finton back on again to talk about his uh, his tactical analysis of him and what he's seen uh, of any of the French players that we've signed, uh, because Finton's a super guy, works for Total Football Analysis. And and as I say, I, if you guys want to scroll back up, you'll see I linked uh, his article inside here as well. He's a great guy, so please give that a click. Um, but he thinks that you know, it will be very much more of an attacking type midfielder and don't expect much of anything about him going backwards as well so um i think maybe the two of them might might be um too similar i think to come in together but once again you know you're better looking at these players than looking for them especially somebody who had such a good good world cup as a new um a couple more comments there and i might have to let you go then guys um where are we yeah andy vale remembers um uh, Andy Vell remembers he beat us single-handedly at the Emirates three or four years ago. It was the best individual performance I can remember against Aston Villa. I go so far as to say it was definitely the most annoying performance. And the reason it was annoying was because it was, we've all, it, it, it was it, like, it was such a good tactical substitution and such a good substitution that it turned the game in its head that you kind of look at it and you go, you can clearly pinpoint where we lost our way. And it was when that guy came onto the field. And he was only 20 years of age. 19, 20 years of age. I think he might have actually only been 19. So there we go. It's uh it's um that that to me is interesting. And once again, let's not forget how young the Gwendoosie actually still is. Uh where are we? Where else are we here? A couple of more comments. Uh, 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 uh. I see a couple of people are liking my team tune for, for passing time and doing stuff. <laughs> that happens naturally. I apologize. Um, Azzy Austin says, I still think we need a quality center back alongside Mings. Not convinced with Kanza this season. I know Carlos will be back at some point, but while down the line before he'll be up to speed, I 100% agree about Carlos and I 100% agree about a, a center back. I think they're the I, I've said before, I think there could be the start of major surgery on this whole defence in the off-season. Uh, rumours that Callum Chambers has been shopped at the moment, and if they can get a move for him, you'd have to think they'd have to bring someone else back in. I can't imagine that anybody's too happy with uh, Jan Benrak being um, being the man uh, to, to come in if uh, if um, Tyrone Mings or, or Ezri Kanza gets uh, injured touch wood that doesn't happen so i i actually think we're already treadbare at center half because i don't think anyone believes in benrack at the club and if they're shopping callum chambers and they get what they want for him it's josh feeney next so something to something to think about there for sure ozzy uh, i i don't think it's going to be top of our list um, in in obviously in this transfer window, I think I think the attack is top of our list for obvious reasons because we're treadbare there. We're really treadbare there. We can we can suffice with our centre half options, um, but I think going forward, the start of the major 
open heart surgery on the defence will probably happen in earnest come June, July this season. And I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised for that. Even though a lot of those players would come back, I wouldn't be surprised to see the rotation of the churn underneath them to be turned. Big style. Because I think it has to happen at some stage. A lot of players there, 30 and above, and, uh, you know, uh, defenders can drop off a cliff sometimes. Um, albeit Ashley Young is still only halfway up the mountain. I'd say he could play at least about 55 at this stage, the way things are going. Um, but good good thinking, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on that as well. That bandwagon as well. That at some stage, centre-halves are going to be at the top of the list once more. Uh, 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 uh. Right, I think we're going to get, get... I think we're going to call it at that there, guys, um, because I'll only very much start to ramble otherwise. Um, but yes, the final and to surmise with regards to Guendouzi, nothing massively concrete yet. If anybody was joining this late... I had promised to do this about 10 days ago, but for reasons being my, my equipment got fried in, in a lightning strike, would you believe? And uh, therefore, I wasn't able to do it on that day. Um, so I'm just really circling back to it now in light of the new um, Lakeep article with regards to him being linked and that he thinks that he may be playing his last few games for Marseille this January and the potential is that there's a transfer on, on the horizon whether it happens or not, I don't know. Um, but he's an interesting player. And as I say, I think he comes in, he plays that right wide midfielder role. And with his effort and endeavour and, um, you know, what we've just learned so far about his passing ability and his his forward play and his, his progressive play, should I say, I think people should kind of look at him in a different light. And once again, he's a French international. And I think that he's going to see a lot of time under Didier Deschamps now, um, between now and the build-up to the Euros, to the next European competition, because, as I say, there are players at that team that are getting up there. The likes of Griezmann won't be um, won't be playing back in the central midfield role, I don't think, come the next Euros. And and obviously, the likes of Rabiot and those are, are over, touching 30, if not over it. So in two years' time, uh, Guendouzi would be primed to take one of those spots, you would imagine. And what better place to do it than in the Claret and Blue of, of Aston Villa? And if that isn't the carrot enough for him to come to Villa Park and to push into that into that squad alongside Bubakar Kamara, alongside Luca Dean, and uh, maybe, who knows, if we sign the Moussa Dembele alongside Moussa Dembele as well, although I think that that one would be a surprise given the striking talent that they have. Um, but I think it's an interesting proposal for uh, Guendouzi to accept. So, going to leave it at that, guys. God, I did 45 minutes, and it feels like there was about 15. So, But thanks ever, ever so much, everybody, for watching. 350 of you, that's amazing. Um, I didn't know there was 350 people out there who didn't like Love Island as much as I do um, on, a, on a Sunday afternoon. But I really appreciate your time. Thanks a million for sticking uh, with me. And I do apologize for my um, slides being incorrect earlier on. But we got the information we needed. We got the information we needed uh, anyway, so it's all good. But uh, I appreciate that. Thanks so much, everybody, for your time. Please like this. If you do like it, should I say, please give it a thumbs up. If you're not a subscriber, please subscribe. We'll be back again. In the coming. Oh, I do have um, something for you. I'm hoping on Tuesday to have somebody come in here, uh, a special guest to come in here and talk about a really interesting Aston Villa project that's going on at the moment. So if you guys are around on Tuesday afternoon, I think it might uh, I, it would be good because um, uh, he's coming in to talk about a project that is still in the formation of trying to get a, get off the ground. And I'm really looking forward to what he has to say. Um, so keep that one in mind and look out to Twitter with regards to, to more information on that. But until then, everybody stay safe, stay healthy um, and stay curious about any of these any of these links. I think there's going to be tons of them. And until the next time we talk, everybody, all that's left to say is up the villa. 
Social Podcast Network.